Welcome to the latest episode of Reimagining Mobility. I'm here with Andy Roberts, Chief Engineer for Systems at Mobility Technologies at AVL. So Andy, tell us a little bit about systems engineering. Okay, sure. It seems like it's a big topic right now. A lot of people are talking about it. Tell us, what does it really mean? What systems engineering really mean? It sounds really good, it sounds very important, but sure. maybe there's many people don't really know exactly what that means or how AVL looks at it. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I think systems engineering really is, is the approach, the discipline of looking at whatever you're developing overall as a system, not as individual components, not as elements on their own that you develop separately, but more as a integrated full system. And if you deal with it in that way, if you look at it in that way, you end up with a, a much better product, a more um, integrated product, a more efficient, um, I would argue a more robust product, rather than as individual components. Mm. Um, so as far as systems engineering at AVL, um, I think like most of the, certainly the automotive industry, it's uh, progressed quite a bit over the last maybe 10 years. Um, originally systems engineering really came from a, I would say a controls, um, a software development mm -hmm. um, sort of approach where it was very much used to define you know, what the software needed to do. So we'd, we'd look at a high level of a, say, a, say like an engine controller and say, okay, what does the engine controller need to do? We'd capture some requirements for that. We'd uh, then break that down into what the hardware needed to do, the software needed to do, mm -hmm. the sensors needed to do. And then we'd, uh, we'd use that to develop software and, and, and the controls hardware as well. Um, now, I think it's really being adapted across the automotive industry much more broadly. Um, it's, it's still a big part of software development, but it's also really key, I would argue, to uh, hybrid system development and ADAS system development. And that really is driven by the complexity of these systems and the interaction between the components, between, say, the powertrain, um, the ADAS system, the offboard system as well, the, the GPS, the connection to the infrastructure. I just wanted to ask, so does it include the cloud then as well? When we're talking about AI in the cloud, especially for autonomous driving, when we're talking about telematics for route calculation, where's my next mm. gas station, where's my next charging station, is it open, is it working? So does it include the cloud as well, not just on the vehicle? Yeah, so from, um, I, I think, at the inclusion of the cloud, um, absolutely. So if we took an example of, um, of a system where we're, we need to understand the range of the vehicle. So um, you could do that pretty simplistically. Uh, you could say, well, I'm traveling from point A to point B through my, my, my GPS I've put in my route. Um, it's 300 miles. What's the range? You know, what's the state of charge of my battery? And therefore, what's the range? But in reality, you want to be able to bring in um, the GPS information. You need to be able to bring in the traffic information, the gradient of the road. You also, so that's that piece that needs to come in from the, so the offboard, the GPS and all the related information. But you also need to understand from a powertrain perspective, what's the, what's the state of charge of the, of, the, of the battery, but also what's the state of health of the battery. Um, you probably also want to understand um, how the driver historically has been using the vehicle, driving the vehicle, mm -hmm. because that will obviously affect, you know, on that 200 mile, 300 mile. Subjectivity miles. of it. Yeah, so mm -hmm. he, he may be, or she may be getting less mileage out of their battery because they're being more aggressive in, mm -hmm. in the way they drive. Mm -hmm. So really now, um, OEMs, um, 
vehicle system developers are really starting to bring all that information in together. Um, so the offboard, the powertrain information, the, the battery information, how the driver's driving the vehicle. And, um, you know, you need to bring all that together in a systems approach. So you need to understand uh, uh, from a higher level, what's the, what's the requirement where well, we need to understand what the range of the vehicle is over a defined route. How do we do that then? Well, we need to bring in GPS information. We need to bring yeah. in powertrain information, battery information, bring all that together in, into a, an accurate calculation that can then be, be used to predict what the range of the vehicle okay. is. So for many years now, I've been leading teams that always talk about model-based systems engineering. Mm. And for many years, I felt like every time I asked for details, I felt like, okay, yeah, I get it, but are we really using models, you know what I'm saying? I felt like it's, it's almost a little bit like big data. Everybody talks about big mm. data. Everybody collects big data. Everybody does a little bit with big data, but I struggle at times to really see what we're doing with truly big data, mining it. Like going to the data lake, mining it, using it. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about model-based systems engineering, where we are now as maybe opposed to, let's say, five years ago. Yeah, absolutely. So I think model-based, as you say, model-based system engineering has been talked about a lot, five years, maybe even more than that. And I think there's been some, some usage of it, certainly my experience, um, in that more of a limited fashion. But in recent years, maybe the last year or so, really, I've seen a big uh, increase in the use of that. Okay. And the use really of you know, a, a graphical way, I would argue, to, to represent requirements. Um, and unlike Visio, the tools we use for like model-based engineering, you could use Visio to, to draw architecture diagrams, um, interface diagrams. But the real key thing with model-based system engineering tools approaches is that all these different diagrams are linked together. So you change one, it changes in the other diagram. Automated. In an automated sure. fashion. Yeah. Obviously, you then also link that to your textual requirements as well. Um, from a, a control perspective, you know, it's even getting to the point where you can start at the top level of your set of requirements, maybe textual, um, link that into your model-based um, approach tool, cascade that down to, to, to your different, um, I would say, architecture and interface views, and even down to the level where you can define a, a controls architecture within a model-based systems engineering mm -hmm. tool and actually then take that architecture and then deploy that or I guess export it and then start actually de developing say in Simulink in that architecture you define, defined from, a, from the systems mm -hmm. perspective. Okay. So it's, it's certainly becoming, I would say most projects now actually we are starting to pretty actively aggressively use. I just want to ask, so if, you, if, you, if, you, if you had to guess, what's the percentage of projects we're doing for customers or with our partners that use model-based versus just the, let's call it the standard systems engineering approach? Is it 80% use model-based? Is it 60% or? Um, I, would, I would sort of possibly say 50% or so, but okay. it, it seems to be more, um, I mean, I think the, the ADAS kind of projects are certainly ad, ad, adapting, or adopting, I should say, so yeah. that more quickly, I more would quickly. say. Although okay. in the powertrain domain as well, it is certainly becoming adopted as well okay. and used. And it, it's pretty powerful. It's, it's a, a, a very good way, I think, for people to quickly understand what the system is mm -hmm. and the interactions. Mm -hmm. um, much quicker, obviously, to understand a diagram, a, a, a graphic, a, you know, an image than, than, than words. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
So at AVI, we see ourselves as pretty strong at model-based or systems engineering. Let's just keep it generic, mm. systems engineering. Mm -hmm. What do you believe makes us good at that or makes us so good at that or makes us unique? Is it, is it our background in lots of different domains in the mobility space? Is it the domain knowledge of individuals that then brought together bring it or is it, is it the flexibility and the, the wide breadth and depth of knowledge that our people bring that allows them to do that? I mean, I would say, to be honest, it's all of those things. Um, certainly the expertise and the deep knowledge in the different disciplines is a key part. But the other thing is over the last, well, certainly 10 years or so, there's been a very active um, progression of defining our systems engineering approach. How mm -hmm. do we do systems engineering? Mm -hmm. So across AVL globally, I've been involved in it. A number of the team in the US have worked with the teams in Europe and China and everywhere else in the world to develop and agree a way that we do systems engineering. Um, to a common way across all of EVL. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that, that has to be, a, well, it has to be certainly adaptable as well. So it has to be scalable to the different projects we've got. Every project mm -hmm. generally is different, so we have to have a, an approach, a way that can be scaled to be used on all these different types of projects, whether it's an ADAS project, a conventional powertrain, a hybrid powertrain project, we have to have an approach that is common and understood globally by, by the systems engineering team and, and the teams working with us as well. Mm. So it, 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 is a, it is a, also it allows that we can work globally together as well, because if mm -hmm. we're working in the same way and we understand the same way of working, then the US can work with Europe, with China, sure. everywhere else in the world as sure. well. What what makes a great systems engineer as an individual? Mm. Is it is it the experience? Is it the ability to think low level but also higher level from a complete system? What this thing is that I have to design? Yeah. Is it is it the mentorship programs that we have where you and others mentor people? Is it they need to rotate around first to lots of different groups to be able to understand the different components? What, what makes a great yeah, systems engineer? I mean, I would, I would argue that what makes a great systems engineer, a big part of that is an interest in the overall system. In the overall system, okay. Um, I mean, some people really like to get into the, the real details of one specific system. That's great. And we absolutely need those people. And you know, we have a lot of hugely talented, real technical experts in certain areas. Mm. I think systems engineers, most of the systems engineers that I work with like the overall understanding everything really they, they like to see the, the big picture but then they be able to take that and sort of dig down into well, what makes that big picture how, how mm -hmm. you know uh, a hybrid powertrain you've got to understand internal combustion uh, you've got to understand um, electric drives inverters dc dcs maybe um, if it's a plug-in you've got to understand onboard chargers i think having people that are real have, a, have really got an interest and a passion to understand that that really makes a really good systems engineer. But then also to be able to, to work in a methodical way, to be able to go from a, a high level, maybe vehicle level description of what's needed and be able to methodically break that down and to say, well, okay, from a vehicle perspective, we need this. What does that mean from the powertrain, from the chassis? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's really quite key. When you take the different systems engineering projects, let's say you have done, mm. Give me an example of an extremely complex one 
in an example <laughs> of maybe not an easy one, but a more, let's say, easier to apply hmm. systems engineering approach to it. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the ADAS projects when we're now working on, um, there's a lot of complexity there because you have got to, obviously there's lots of ADAS features. So whether it's AEB, FCW, uh, ACC, all these features have to, we have to understand what they each need to do, but then they all have to work together in conjunction. Mm -hmm. um, but they also have to then work obviously with the powertrain as well. There's elements of off-board information we're bringing in. There's the perception system, so we need to be able to clearly define what is needed from the perception system. Um, so that's, uh, those are pretty complex uh, projects, um, mm -hmm. and hugely interesting for that reason. Um, I think the more simple, straightforward, I mean, transmission projects we've used, um, I wouldn't say the super simple, but sure. it's a, Relatively a, a component, a system that we're integrating into a, maybe an existing vehicle platform. Mm -hmm. So then you're really focusing on what are the, what are the cascaded requirements from vehicle perspective, performance-wise, for the transmission, ensuring that the transmission delivers that and interfaces correctly with, with the other vehicle systems. Sure. Where do you see, let's say model, just again, systems engineering, mm. not necessarily model-based, but I think we all know that's where it's going to or continues mm. to, to push towards. Mm. But where do you see systems engineering in three to five years? <laughs> do you see changes? Do you just see more of a deployment of it across even more fields and areas in the mobility space? Or do you see it become even more let's say digitized with much more, more digital features, digital twins coming in, AI coming in, I don't know. What, what do you see it in three and five or to five years? Yeah, I mean, I think the tools that are, are being used, I, I, some of the existing tools are not maybe the easiest to get in and use. I think there's a, a lot of the tool uh, developers are, are working to make them more user-friendly, I would say, mm -hmm. and easy to get into. I, and add yeah additional features and functionality and, and sort of ability to connect those um, model-based tools with existing requirements tools, simulation tools as well. Um, so I think there's there's certainly a, a, an improvement in the tools themselves, and therefore you know the adoption of the tools. Um, I mean, I kind of always think you know back to, from a, from a software perspective. You know, many years ago we started you know, writing in assembler and then we kind of moved up to kind of C and then mm. from that we moved to sort of, you know, simulinks and more graphical kind of, yeah. and there is certainly, I say from a control perspective, I think more of a move to be able to even be starting to really define um, your software requirements within the model-based environment and actually be able to have tools that will sort of automatically or semi-automatically bring that down into actually being able to Mm -hmm. Develop code and implement code. Mm -hmm. So I think that I think that's potentially an interesting, interesting area. Okay. How do you see systems engineering as it relates to, let's say, platooning and heavy-duty trucks? Do we see it as this needs to both trucks or all trucks, even with cars, let's say, that come in as well, maybe mm. part of the platoon? Mm. Do they all have their own systems engineering, and then those the overall is a systems of systems? <laughs> or yeah. how is that to be looked at? Yeah, I, I think that's a really important question. Um, 
I think we have to be developing standards so that we all, you know, effectively the vehicle needs to provide data backup in, into the cloud that can then be used in some way through some intermediate, I guess, by the other vehicles as well. Mm. Um, I, I think standards and, um, need, you know, need to be, you know, adopted um, by people to be able to, yeah, to, to implement that. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. Okay. If you think about the challenges we have in the mobility space, passenger vehicles, let's stick mm. for a moment, but I think even off-road, uh, military or heavy-duty trucks, I, there's more and more technology, let's say, crammed into the vehicle, mm -hmm. the mobility device. How important is systems engineering in this quest to make these pieces, at the end of the day, work to the benefit of the user, right? The driver, the passenger. Yeah. Otherwise, you have a conglomerate of different technologies, but they don't really gel together and really work together, and the user experience may be disappointing. So how much, how important is systems engineering versus maybe, let's say, user experience engineering? If Yeah, no, I think it's absolutely key. I, th I think, again, the... the the aim of systems engineering really is to develop a system that's <laughs> almost, you know, greater than the sum of all its parts. Mm -hmm. Those parts on their own, unless there's, um, you know, coordination and, and a, a, a cascading of, of requirements and interfaces down to all those sub-systems and components, you just end up with, a, 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 I guess, a, a group, a bunch of components that kind of do what they're supposed to do, but not in an efficient and... and um, sort of most optimal way yeah cohesive way and uh... so um but as far as the the user experience i mean that's a key input as well to that systems approach you know okay. i think we have to and when we do on the on the adas side one of the key things we're looking at or an input into adas system development is if we're developing a system is you know what is the user experience that's baked in from from the very beginning you yeah. know? how is the how is this going to be used what are the, what are the use cases uh, for this feature, you know, how, mm. how will, how will this, what's, what will this feature experience as far as what the user wants from it and the environment it's going to be in as well. And that really needs to be very much understood as we develop these, these features and, and systems. Okay. So it's always the end user, really the, the, the customer that has to be kept in mind. And um, that's, that's who in the end we're delivering to. Mm. So. So everybody talks about the software-defined vehicle, right? Obviously, systems engineering is a key piece to allow this mm. to happen. But let's say for a moment there's issues in the field and we can use over-the-air updates to address the software. Let's assume we can fix it with software, address mm. it with software. How critical is the systems engineering approach that needs to be happening before that to really allow to do this? And how do you guys look at this? Okay, this could be a potential in the future. Mm -hmm. How do we address this, right? Because it's not necessarily this is how ultimately the whole system, the vehicle, heavy-duty truck, off-road equipment, passenger vehicles, is functioning or has to function. But how do you, in, in your approach with systems engineering, try and foresee what you need to do in the future in case there's issues that you can address with a software over-the-air update versus recalling vehicles or having yeah. everybody go back to the dealership. Absolutely. I mean, I, again, I think that's, that certainly is a, you know, that's a requirement that has to get fed in from the very beginning, from mm -hmm. the top. You know, 
this vehicle, this system, uh, depends what level we're working at, needs to have the ability to you know, support over-the-air updates. Now, that also means that you, um, you know, critically need to be bringing in and, and considering the cyber security aspects mm -hmm. as well, because mm -hmm. um, obviously that, that's key if we're, if we're starting to you know, remotely update software. So all those things have to be considered and have to be a key part of, um, of the requirements that, that, that we're defining at the beginning of, say, a vehicle program or a, you know, a subsystem program. Um, and then it's really making sure that those, those requirements for cybersecurity, for um, over-the-air updates, functional safety, are, are correctly cascaded down then to, to the components the systems that need to then deliver that that functionality, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if it's across multiple components, they obviously need to do that in a in a very synchronized and, and, and aligned way. So. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Andy. Any Thank last you, thoughts from your end from systems engineering that we maybe didn't catch here that's important in your mind? I mean, I just I guess sort of summing up, I think you know systems engineering has been a key. Um, discipline i would say for, for certainly for software and controls mm -hmm. for many years um now as we move towards more and more complex and connected systems adas um electric vehicle uh, electric powertrains uh, hybrid powertrains it it, it with, you cannot develop uh, an efficient robust um system without a systems engineering approach okay Thanks, Andy. Very insightful. Appreciated. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.